Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to This Week in Marvel, episode number 196. This is the official Marvel podcast of all news, new releases, and uh, actually learning how to use a microphone properly. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, joined by... Uh, Alec Belmore, the intern. <laughs> the intern. Oh, I like how you've added a V to it. Like, yeah, I... You've, you've, you're owning it. It adds a, a little bit of character to it, um, but I won't be the intern for much longer. What? So. When are you done? Next week is my what? last week unacceptable one two no i'm sorry i'm actually i'm really really bummed that my time has come to an end yeah i had no idea well uh, there you go i'm sorry to drop this wow guys you're hearing those of you who are listening are getting breaking news that alec is quitting his internship how crazy is that it's uh it's just it's time to move on i have to go back to school where do you go to school um, I go to Ithaca, but actually, um, I'm going to Los Angeles. Technically, I'm staying in the Marvel family. You're pulling Astrami. I'm. I think so. I was listening to his interview, uh, the San Diego Library one, and uh, it was like it sounds pretty similar. Yeah. I'm gonna be over at the animation studio. Oh, awesome. Uh, do you know with whom you're gonna in development with? Um, I'm not sure exactly which. I know I'm gonna be working with development and the current department. I'm not exactly sure under whom. That's yet. great. Um, Thank you. Very cool. Very excited. Good to, to keep you going with us. Um, hopefully, we'll have another intern coming in to fill your shoes. Yeah. I I hope uh, he is Or less, she. Or he or hey, she. Hey. I just... I, I don't want to hear correct. any of that non- nonsense. You know, I, I am sorry. That was my... But I hope he or she is less accident-prone than I am. <laughs> this is true. For everyone's sake. Uh, speaking of accident-prone, uh, I alluded to at the beginning of the show, which was like two minutes ago, that uh, we have figured out how to use the microphone, these fancy new microphones properly, because uh, Dr. Interrupter, Brian, our video editor, who uh, barged in on our last podcast last week, has explained to us that we were using the microphones wrong um so now we've got them standing up and facing us like some weird little i don't know device thing that is in a different position but hopefully the audio is going to be much better uh it's going to be isolated a little bit i think i don't know they just tell me use it this way i sit down and i talk i'm talent there you go Alec, you just got to remember, when you're talent, you just, you know, you don't worry about those things. That's true. You just do what you got to do. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, As you can hear, we are sans Ben uh, once more this week. Uh, Hopefully we'll get him in next week. But uh, we're just going to keep plugging along. Um, Not a ton of books, I think, this week. So uh, that's good. But we do have uh, a first for Alec as he is going to talk about two of our books, including the first one. Yes, uh, this is going to be interesting. But first, we have uh, 1602, Witch Hunter Angela, number two, or part two. It's written by Kieran Gillen and Marguerite Bennett, art by Irene Coe, color by Jordi Belair. Um, I just picked up, I picked up number one of this book a couple of weeks ago bef- uh, after it came out um, because I'm admittedly a sucker for um, like period pieces. Um, and I'd never really encountered kind of Marvel's... Is it 1602 is the broader... Yeah, 1602, 1602. was uh, was a series we did 10-odd years ago, give or take. Neil Gaiman wrote it. And, oh, wow. um, and then we did a bunch of follow-ups. Uh, really cool stuff. 
So I I wanted to to kind of do this because I'm I'm kind of into that sort of stuff, and this has really taken me by surprise. Um, just looking at this number two issue, the art is just absolutely beautiful, and the coloring is um, really stunning as well. It really accentuates um, all the art that is is in here. And we start out with uh, Angela and Sarah are going after the. Faustians is that how you would say it in sure. old old speak? You're you're Mr. College Learned Man. I am. I yes. Um, but they encounter uh, someone I was very surprised to see, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and even looking at the cover, it didn't really register with me who that group of people were. Maybe really? it was just unobservant. Well, wow. I, I saw the Drax character who is called I forget he, what he is. Arthur. Yeah, that's his his actual like. Drax is like a crazy story, his character over the course of history. But yes, that is his human name. Really? Yeah. Okay. So is human. Oh, God. Yeah. There's so there's a lot of, of history, and I'm slightly confused about Drax to begin with. Uh, but they encounter the guardians of, or they're called the, what are they called here? Gardener's men. Yes. Um, and they're a group of players, uh, and they all have the same names but spelled differently because sure. it's 1602, I which is it. really cool. Um, and then we get this really cool thing where it gives the backstory of Angela and Sarah, which um, is really – it was a nice step away from the kind of grim tone that we've had. Yeah, yeah it was a really fun – especially the way – she tells it and like those as it bounces back and forth between the the telling of the story and the story itself mhm and the the back and forth between angela and mm. sarah here is it's kind of humanizing yeah. for the pair um and also the art switches um during this little piece um and it kind of goes along with the same kind of lighter tone um but after that we encounter um a little one of the the Faustians, Faustians, um, and it gets a little darker. And no spoilers. I'm not going to say who it is. <laughs> That's right. No spoilers on this show. Um, but then it gets pretty cool at the end. Yeah, pretty yeah. pretty grisly. Nice fun moment right there at the end. Very good. Well done. Thank you. No problem. All right. So on to the next book. We've got Age of Ultron versus Marvel Zombies number two. It's uh, written by James Robinson. Art by Steve Pugh. Uh, I always get confused when the credits are in the back. Uh, Colors by Jim Charlampetus. So this is, uh, it opens up in such a crazy, fun way where we get introduced to essentially uh, Pilgrim Punisher, who, you know, he's out there slaughtering uh, zombies, and he's got his Pilgrim hat on, and he's speaking all funny times, and it's terrific and violent and disgusting, and um, just... What you what you hope for when you're reading Age of Ultron versus Marvel Zombies? Characters with no mouths and just body parts everywhere and vile disgustingness, and then Ultron being all smug and nasty and uh, plotting. While we then shift over to the um, the the hero characters that we were introduced to previously in the first issue, where we've got Jim Hammond, who's the Human Torch, Wonder Man, and the Vision, who have the um, 1872 timely Hank Pym, uh, and I like this Hank Pym because he is—he, I wouldn't call him simple or dumb or or less capable. He's just from a different era, a different domain than any than most of the other Hank Pym. So um, he doesn't have 
the background in he doesn't have the available technology and skill that many of the Hank Pym's with more modern technology had. So he comes at uh, what everything that's in front of him in a much different place. But the uh, you know Vision and Wonder Man. Human Torch and the rest of the crew, because we get to meet and see a bunch of other characters, they they see something in him, and they think, hope, believe he might be the key to stopping Ultron. All that's going on, and um, a big sinister movement is happening in the background. Not with sinister, though, but sinister. You know what I mean. All right, on to Black Widow number 20. This is the last day's issue. It is also the final issue of the series. Um, and it's terrific. Written by Nathan Edmondson, art and cover and colors and everything by Phil Noto. This is the second part where we've got the, you know, it touches on really briefly where uh, Natasha is in the right as everything's starting to go down for Secret Wars. If you read Secret Wars number one, you know where she is, what happens with her uh, and then it flashes back to her time in Havana and having to deal with something for the Red Room and just the choices she makes the uh, mission she has to undertake and how it affects her which I think is part of why Nathan and Phil are such a phenomenal storytelling team here because there's a lot of silent pages there's a lot of looks there's a lot of just subtle gestures and just body language that they put into this to get the the story across, and it's so damn good. And it affected the hell out of me when I read it the first time. Uh, there's just a bunch of things in there. It's like, damn, Natasha, it's intense. Uh, all right, on to Daredevil number seventeen. This is the penultimate issue of this run uh it's written by mark wade art by chris somne and colors by matt wilson and this is you know everything was going hunky-dory for uh for matt in a sense and he's got his new suit he's got his time with kirsten his uh his lady friend and kind of partner and then it's all been spiraling downhill over the the last couple of issues as he's been dealing with the Shroud, he's been dealing with the Owl and the Owl's daughter. Uh, he's then been dealing with Kingpin. And so it's all coming to a head. We get uh, a little bit of flashback to see how he got to the point where he is at the beginning of the story, which is bloody and beaten and almost dead fighting Ikari. Uh, so we get to the, the how of he got there, the why he got there, the Kingpin stuff, which was a surprise and not a surprise at the same time, which I loved. I love the way Kingpin comes across in here. He is terrifying as well he should be. Um, the things he does, he's just such a dick. I mean, ugh. Ugh. Such a great character. Anyway, uh, we got Akari who is has all the senses that, like the heightened senses that Matt has, plus he can see. So he's very formidable. Uh, I won't say how and why and where they're battling, but it all comes to a head right at the end uh, when the Shroud gets involved. All kinds <laughs> of stuff goes haywire. Uh, hopefully, young Alec will just have uh, taken down a note to uh, edit out my little expletive. Sometimes that slips out, guys. I get really passionate, and this book deserved it, even though you're going to hear a bleep or not hear anything at all. All right, on to 
We are on to Deadpool's Secret Secret Wars, number three. Um, I really love this series, um, and I know I said this. I'm not sure if it was you or Ben I said this to, but this was one of my first real encounters with Deadpool as, like, a character. Um, I'd read the the one-shot of the Captain America and Deadpool Death of Wolverine Mm -hmm. uh, book, but I just, like... I'm loving the comedy in this book, um, and especially since I love the original Secret Wars. Um, you start out with um, Deadpool now looking beautiful. Um, with yeah, I like that you call him beautiful. He's got the like the '70s uh, mustache and haircut, blonde, tall, buff. He he is beautiful. He is he's beautiful. I hundred percent agree. He's like I don't want to say who he looks like because I feel like I'm not from that era and I'll say someone who totally doesn't look like that at all and I'm just going to be embarrassed but how do you say Saji? Is that how you... The lady? Yes. Uh, I don't know. I guess. She was in the original Secret Wars. She was. Um, And you get... the, The time in this book is kind of ambiguous. Laughably ambiguous. Like the first page you open with now ish. (laughs) <laughs> and then it goes like a while back and later it's like sometime earlier but later um but you get that you get um Deadpool kind of leading the charge into the doom base um which is so surprising because that doesn't seem like a role he would normally take on as like the leader of this group of superheroes um which is really funny um and you see him take on what is this is he Think about it. What does he? What does he got? He actually calls him by his name. I think it's Thunderball. Yes. <laughs> I'm so I'm so out of the loop. You here. need to get up on the Wrecking Crew because they are an awesome group of villains. I think I've encountered them once before, but I I just am not so good at names. I guess you're getting into animation and the research and all that stuff. You got. Yeah, gotta, I know. You got to bone up, son. I really do. Um, but then he he kind of does something uh, not so noble <laughs> as opposed to what we kind of get in the first couple of pages. Um, we see him interact with Lizard, and then we get personally my favorite part of this book, and I think a lot of people's favorite part. Um, and I, this isn't a spoiler. It's just... No. No, it's, mean, it's on the, the cover. We get yeah. Deadpool getting a new costume. Well... Trying out a new uh, a new Many. costume, and then we get what is it like seven new looks for him? Yes, which, which is awesome uh, for our Marvel games and you know like licensing toy people. I want to see all of those in everything because those are terrific. Like when we had Marvel versus Capcom three, we had all kinds of crazy variant like uh, outfits for all the characters. So you would have, like, weird versions of Deadpool's costume show up. I hope, I hope to see, especially the one uh, on the page. There's a big splash page where we see six panels, uh, and the costume on the middle and the bottom is the best. That's my personal favorite as well. Um, And then we get kind of this one little fun play on the original (laughs) Spider-Man black costume. I I love that so much because it... If we believe that to be, like, if we believe that that is the reality, it fits in so perfectly. It's awesome. It's like, so great. I was, I, when I read that, I was like, that's really clever. Yeah. I'm really proud they did that. Yeah. 
by the way, who did this issue? Who did? Did I not mention? I don't believe you mentioned the creative team. Oh, wow. I am sorry. Written by Colin Bunn, art by Matteo Lolly, and colorist is Ruth Redmond. Yeah. Sorry for forgetting about you. Um, and then at the end of the issue, we get uh, Deadpool doing something very noble, which I won't spoil. Yeah. There's a. I think Colin and Jerry and their collaborators do really good jobs of that, like, super funny, super funny, crazy, wacky, and then that one gut punch, or more than one at times, but that gut punch moment where you're just like, damn. You, like, feel such uh, empathy for Deadpool, what he's gone through and what he does, and it's, it's great. It's really, really solid. All right, on to Deathlock number 10. I believe this is the final issue of this run. Uh, it's written by Nathan Edmondson, art by our boy Mike Perkins, colors by Andy Troy, um, and it is the culmination of Deathlock's, you know, mission of revenge and uh, basically escaping the clutches of control, of the control of... Um, uh, biotech, I believe they are, they are called biotech, uh, getting away from them, getting out of their uh, clutches, um, working with S.H.I.E.L.D., working with you know Domino, and trying to get himself in a better place. We've got Michael Collins' Deadpool in here, which is always uh, awesome to see. Uh, did, did I say Deadpool? I think I said Deadpool. Yeah. Michael Collins' Deathlock, I should say, uh, coming in here, and they come up with a plan that is heartbreaking. There's a, a plan to sort of wrap up a bunch of loose ends that heartbreaking uh, for uh, Henry Hayes Deathlock, but violent as you can believe for so many other characters in here. And it shakes out. Uh, I love there's like this montage towards the end where I could hear some like there in my head, there's music playing as these panels come up and we see where all the characters shift out uh, where they're going, what's going on. And then, Huge last two pages, which are just like, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn, damn it, damn it. All right, on to Guardians Team Up number eight, written by Ray Fox, art by Bengal. I meant to ask the editors, um, Xander and Katie, who Bengal is. Is it uh, an art collective? Is it just a person? I'm not sure, but the art, it just says Bengal with colors by Marte Gracia, uh, which is awesome. So it's a Silver Surfer Groot story. Uh, it's a, mostly silent. Uh, they're, one, they're in space, so there's a lot of, you know, we, we believe they're not to be sound in space, even though there's some sound effects because there's, uh, there's air for it to go through. But they go through, uh, they're on a mission, and you don't really get a sense of, you don't know what their mission is right away, but there's a giant ship, and there's some evil dudes, uh, and Groot is, you know, trying to get further and further into the ship for a reason. Silver Surfer is fighting on the outside. All kinds of stuff goes on, and it's cool. I, I dug it, and then you get to this page that is uh, a big, uh, a, a single page that breaks your, or two pages that are just utterly devastating and I like I got to it and I was like I said out loud I cursed out loud and I was like oh my god that was really really it was great storytelling great comics but horrifying I don't want to say too much it's great issue uh the way it all shakes out and and comes down and the last page ah it was stellar 
I will say that. It was a stellar issue, uh, not expected at all in terms of where it went, and um, great job by the team on that one. All right, on to, uh, well, we also have this week uh, Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider-Man Web Warriors number nine, which is maybe, up oh, here it is, in the back of the uh, stack. It was under labeled under Ultimate. Uh isn't that always the case? It's it based is. on a game on, uh, written by Man of Action and Jacob Seman, and it is adapted by our boy Joe Caramagna. Uh, it's got Wolverine in it. It's got Cap. It's got uh, all kinds of wacky, fun stuff. And is that arcade? Oh, that looks like arcade. Yes, I believe that's arcade. There's a character I know. Oh, look at you, yes. knowing a character. Yes. Well done. Good job, young man. All right, on to Modoc Assassin number three. If you know me, you've been listening to this show, you know that Modoc is the greatest character in the history of fiction. And I will say that I read this. This was the first book I read from the stack. I read it on the train home last Friday. I couldn't stop smiling and feeling good and just enjoying life while reading this. And it's just... Modoc and Angela versus the Assassin's Guild in Killville. Killville being this just awful, dangerous domain in secret war- on Battle World, and Modoc has pissed off too many people because uh, he's a really great killer, uh, and now the Assassin's Guild is going after him for a number of reasons. And Modoc and Angela are putting aside their differences to stay alive and figure out why she's having trouble getting her hammer because. While I say she's Angela, she is also a Thor. So uh, she's having trouble with her hammer. Modoc is um, basically smitten like nobody's business with her. And there's just wackiness and chaos and destruction and explosions and violence and exploded heads and like jaws coming apart and hit monkey and so many amazing moments throughout this. The dialogue is fantastic because it's Chris Yost, uh, who is the writer on this, is killing it. He is in Modoc's head. He's got it down perfectly. Uh, pencils by Amalcar Pina, uh, inks by Tara Palette, and colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. Uh, definitely a big shout out to Rochelle Rosenberg because this is such a bright, vibrant uh comic in the midst of all the chaos and the murder happening in it there's so many great hues in here like lots of pinks and purples that do a great job of making the story pop so well a lot of oranges it just it works so fantastically in this issue uh and by the end modok and thor and the assassin's guild uh are up against something maybe uh, they need to work together to face off on. And it is beautiful comic books. Uh, All right, on to S.H.I.E.L.D. number 8, written by Mark Wade and art by Paco Medina, Juan Blasco, I believe. And, uh, yeah, let's see. Juan Blasco and David Curiel. I know the names... Without uh, getting to see the title page, the the credits page. Look at me. You're good. Um, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. All right, so this is awesome because it is Agent Melinda May and Mockingbird teaming up to beat the hell out of some really terrible people. It starts out with uh, a mom who has the 
awful experience of having to see her son who is dead uh, also has wings grafted onto himself, which is super weird. And we get to see Coulson, who has enlisted May and uh, Bobby Morse to tackle this problem uh, with a local New York police uh, officer. Uh, they, they sort of track down what happened to this kid, why, uh, what's going on, like, you know, do some good detective work, getting to the bottom of it, which leads them into this awful, awful, essentially, uh, it's a slave ring um, with uh, the evil doctor is modified, genetically modifying kids and people to to do terrible things, to become mercenaries, to t- to do, you know, uh, to do crime and serve um, people. There's there's a number of really awful things that happen to people throughout this issue. Uh, and Mockingbird particularly takes real, she has a real hard time dealing with it because she's been through a lot, if you know her history, she's been through a crap ton of stuff. And uh, I thought there was a really good emotional Uh, hook there as she's trying to she's in the heads of the kids who are the victims while they're also coming at her trying to kill her and she's trying to do a whole number of things here may is no nonsense and awesome but together they do what they need to do and it is really for the most part it's very upsetting. I'm not going to sugarcoat. I mean, it's a great comic. Wade and, and, and Paco and everybody do a great job on it, but it's some really upsetting subject matter, uh, which they tackle it. And it, it's one of those things like, yeah, it's all comic books and superheroes and, and these characters with you know powers and doing all these things. But like that kind of stuff, sure. I'm sure happens and people will go through that. And it's, man, it's dead. It's just awful. I thought that uh, I did actually read that issue. Oh, look at you! I totally for not that I forgot it. Just slipped my mind. I read it just before coming here. Uh huh. Um, and I love this series. Yeah. Um, and I thought this one was a pretty big deviation tonally from like what some of the other books have been. Mm-hmm. Um, but in like the best way possible. Sure. Um, and the page where, um, they first encounter. The in the surger surgical room is that operation yeah. room, um, whatever the, you call the those. surgical theater. I think um, is just I was like, wow, I can't believe like this is a thing that's that's happening. Yeah. I was it was so shocking. And like Bobby's visceral reaction, I thought they did such a great job with, like you could you you just felt how how much the whole experience and everything she was dealing with right there was reflecting back on herself and very painful. I also think they've done a really great job um, kind of translating Melinda May into the comic books. Yeah. Um, and this was probably, I think this was the most we've ever gotten mm-hmm. of her in the series. I believe so. Um, and the the duo between Mockingbird and, and Melinda was really great. Solid. They had a great character. Yeah, dynamic. yeah, yeah. Well said, well said. Um uh, all right, on to Star Wars number seven, talking about deviations from the norm. This is a really, really cool uh, issue. It is from the journals of old Ben Kenobi, the last of his breed. Uh, so this is a cool story, uh, one that I think we're going to see uh, more of as we go down the line between arcs. Uh, if I if I 
hopefully I'm not speaking out of turn. They, they sort of hint at it towards the end of the issue. But um, it's a one-off story about, you know, an experience that old Ben Kenobi, Obi-Wan, uh, went through, you know, after all the craziness from, uh, you know, the original, uh, or I should say the, the prequel stories. So it's written by Jason Aaron, art by Simone Bianchi, uh, colors by Justin Ponsor. And uh, it's set on Tatooine, where old Ben Kenobi is, um, you know, the time frame is Luke is probably like seven, eight years old, give or take. Uh, and Ben is trying to sort of keep an eye on him, but at the same time keep his distance. Um, you know, he's there to make sure that Luke is fine, but he's also there to hide. He's not a Jedi. He's trying to um, stay safe so he can keep Luke safe uh, away from the clutches of the Empire. Uh, but, you know, Obi-Wan's a pretty good dude, so he sees a lot of bad stuff go down on Tatooine, and he can't sit still. Uh, so he just Jedi's the crap out of some stuff uh, as his, you know... Just, that's just that's just how he rolls. There's a great full page splash of him just lightsaber in hand, looking like a badass. I love it. Gorgeous issue, um, and it's cool. The the sort of conceit is uh, Luke in the time frame of this book has Obi Wan's journal, which he found in a previous issue, uh, and he's going through it. So we'll see hopefully more of these as we go along. All right, we've got up next. Thor's number two, written by Jason Aaron, art by Chris Sprouse, Chris Sprouse, and Goran Suzuka, inks by Carl Story, Dexter Vines, colors by Marte Gracia. So, first issue ended with uh, finding out that Beta Ray Thor was killed, was murdered in the line of duty, and it opens with uh, like Thor's in mourning. Thor's, you know, doing basically at a funeral at the wake for Beta Ray Thor, uh, we get to see a whole bunch of other, you know, Thors spread out in this issue, which is friggin' cool as hell. Um, and them saying their words, mourning how they, they want, like, I, reading these first couple pages makes me want so, to, to see, you know, the 30 years of history that Beta Ray Thor had, that they talk about in here. He's done so much and been such an awesome Thor that, uh, Jason does such a great job of, you know, laying down little bits and pieces of why he's so revered that I wish, I wish, I wish we had more of that. Uh, but they uh, they end the funeral by crying out for vengeance. They will find the killer. And then it goes into an awesome montage of basically the Thors going out and tearing it up. They're interrogating people. They're trying to figure out who with the power to destroy a Thor who is uh, is there, who could possibly be a suspect, leads the ultimate Thor down a road. We get to see the, uh, our, you know, Thor Odinson, the unworthy, who we would have known, you know, who sort of looks like our Thor from 616, if you will. I know I don't like saying that, but it's the easiest way to say it uh, right now. And uh, we got a throwdown, ultimate versus Marvel, uh, Universe Thor, bing, bang, boom. Uh, lots of hints, lots of um, thoughts about why this is going down, who's responsible. Not really sure, but a lot of questions are asked. 
all that's going on, and we get to the uh, sort of the, the meat, more of the meat of the mystery that there are Jane Fosters being killed off. And why are they being killed off? We don't know. Well, Dog Thor, huge role in this. Uh, his his he's called Thur, which I <laughs> That's love wonderful. Him so much. Uh, Thur and Frog Thor and Ultimate Thor. Man, I wish we had like a toy set of all the Thors. Groot Thor and like Samurai Thor and all the crazy Thors. Anyway, um, like. Thur, thur, like barking and running after, uh, you know, the, his, the perp, so to speak. Uh, and we find out big last moment uh, in this issue of who that character is. And the book just takes a crazy turn. I don't know what's going on. I love it so much. I love a good mystery. And Jason and crew are killing it on that book. All right. Last issue of the week is X-Men 92. Number two, this is, as I remind you, the uh, print adaptation of the Infinite Comics. So it doesn't come with digital codes uh, because you should be reading it right away on the Infinite books. But if you're not reading digital comics, I will forgive you uh, because this is still super fun, crazy, very retro throwback. Um, you know, it's characters inspired by what we love from the X-Men in the 90s. So it's exposition like crazy dialogue like crazy characters just talking 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 and fighting and doing all kinds of crazy stuff wolverine versus many versions of himself uh we have cassandra nova who is just so slimy and and terrible but there's more to her that we find out throughout this throughout this issue and she's basically trying to massage her way into the brains of the X-Men characters push them in a direction where she can sort of make them less threatening more palpable and easier to manipulate uh, and I love the way it goes down for Wolverine in here uh, this is she's part of the I think it's the Bureau of Superpowers uh, the last panel with Wolverine on, in his sequence here is terrific and it's, tears are definitely shit uh, then we get, you know, craziness as Jubilee is at an arcade, as well she should be, doing crazy stuff. I hope, I hope we have does a mall baby chili fries thrown into this, uh, into the series before it's done. Fingers crossed. We're going to hope for it. Uh, we get craziness stuff with Storm. Um, we get uh, Gambit and Rogue, which just, it's like you're watching the cartoon from the 90s or you're reading the, the comics. It's fantastic. They do such a great job of uh, honoring and, and sort of getting into that headspace. It's really fun as Cassandra Nova tries to take uh, Rogue and Gambit and everybody and, and, and puppeteer them the way that she wants. Uh, then it's interesting how the last couple things are with uh, Beast and why he is rejected by Cassandra Nova and what that leads to... Uh, where we get introduced to a whole bunch of other characters coming into this universe, uh, which, you know, it's about damn time. A uh, lot, of, lot of fun stuff in that issue. All right, young man. Yes. Of the three comics you actually read. Oh, wow. What's your twin of the week? That's really tough. Um, I'm torn between them all yeah. because they're all, they're all different. They're all different books. Having only read three, I think I'm going to have to choose... I'm going to have to choose S.H.I.E.L.D. Good. Excellent choice. 
Uh, I am having a tougher time. I, I wouldn't say I'm having a tougher time. My pick is uh, Mordok Assassin number three. I mean, I have no no hesitation there. But that's sort of because I'm I am my eyes are open to the truth of Modok. Outside of that, it's really tough because between for me between Black Widow and Guardians team up and Thor's. Uh, those are all incredibly, uh, really, really solid for me this week. Uh, a lot of all the books were solid, but especially Black Widow and Guardians team up emotionally. Man, heavy hitters this week. All right, on to collections available this week. We've got Hawk Hawkeye, Volume Four, Rio Bravo, which I believe is the wrap up of the series, even though the last issue came out last week, maybe. It was really recent. Yeah. They they flipped that around, turned it around right away, which is great. Um, we've got Inhuman Volume 3, Lineage, Magneto Volume 3, Shadow Games, Miles Morales, Ultimate Spider-Man, Collection Book 1, Uncanny Avengers Volume 5, Axis Prelude. Uh, then we are going to look at the comics on sale this week, I believe... Everything we've talked about, um, yeah, all the, the single issues are available. We also have um, on sale this week, we saw a bunch of other issues. We've got uh, 29 new issues in the app. We've got Amazing Spider-Man issues 241 through uh, 258. Tons of Amazing Spider-Man stuff in there. Daredevil. From the original run, 64 through 74. And Ultimate Spider-Man Infinite Comic, number 8, which was not available. Uh, which wouldn't have been in the print stuff. Uh, let's see. What do we have in terms of collections on sale this week? I apologize, guys. I'm going through the app to make sure because uh, without Ben here, we're we're struggling, which is, uh, which is fine with me. We've got... Um, on sale this week we saw Magneto Volume 3 uh, we saw Inhuman Volume 3 and Hawkeye Volume 4 those are the collections on sale on the app uh, for the new ones we also got Amazing Spider-Man Masterworks Volume 11, Deadpool Core Volume 1, Deadpool All in the Family, Fantastic Four the new Fantastic Four and Ultimate Fantastic Four Volume 11 so lot 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 of comics on sale and collections on sale but we also have marvel unlimited and freshly digitized books added this week we've got all new x-men 37 she hulk number 12 uncanny x-men 31 all new invaders number 14 amazing x-men number 16 deadpool number 41 inhuman number 11 new avengers 29 nova 26 secret avengers 12 spider-man and the x-men number two Spider-Man 2099, number 8. Thor, number 4. Wolverines, number 4. Moon Knight, number 11. Scarlet Spiders, number 3. Spider-Verse Team-Up, number 3. Yeah, sorry, it was a little small. Spider-Woman, number 3. Superior Iron Man, number 4. Star Wars, number 1. So the, uh, the new Star Wars books that we have been producing, they are officially now rolling into Marvel Unlimited. So... If you have not read them, get your booties on and check out Star Wars number one. Uh, we've got a Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider-Man book. We've got Spider-Verse number two, 
World War Hulk's Hulked Out Heroes is added. Um, the, the full two-issue run of that one. And then we've got uh, some classic uh, Star Wars Legends books in here. We've got Star Wars Tales number, oh gosh, 24 issues of that one. Star Wars Tales. I've never read these, but these look awesome. I don't know anything about these. I'm excited because there's some really great um, uh, really great creators tied into these. Is that Peter Bagg? Uh, Lee Bermejo? Uh, Lee Lo- Wow. Um, yeah, a lot of, lot of really, really cool. Greg Tocchini, uh, Andy Diggle, Joe Casey, Ash Wood, um, Laniel Yu. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of really cool uh, creators involved in these Star Wars Tales books. I'm going to have to get into some of these. Maybe we'll pick these for future Twim URC. Uh, we also have Star Wars Tales of the Jedi. Um, a whole bunch of those. It's Tales of the Jedi Redemption. Star Wars Tales of the Jedi, The Fall of the Sith Empire. Uh, Star Wars Tales of the Jedi, The Golden Age of the Sith. Uh, the Sith War. Yeah, there's a lot wow. of comics added <laughs> this week. It's 88 issues worth of comics added this week to Marvel Unlimited. So if you are concerned about getting the most out of your money for 9.99 this month, you're getting 88 comics this week in Marvel Unlimited. A ton of them from uh, all kinds of legends, Star Wars books. So the Sith War and Dark Lords of the Sith, which sounds awesome. Uh, the Freedom Nad Uprising. Then we've also got classic Daredevil added to the to the uh, to Marvel Unlimited issue seventy five through eighty four. Uh, so, all that said, tons of comics for you to enjoy, which is always a nice thing. Uh, news this week: uh, we've got some cool stuff, some Q and A's for Marvel Future Fight, which are added. They have new features like the Alliance mode. And the Shield Lab, which are super cool, added in there. Uh, we've got fun stuff coming up with more of the games, Marvel Puzzle Quest, Contest of Champions. Uh, those things will be rolling out as we go along. Um, there are some bits and pieces of news that Strami and the Wolfman, I believe, will be sharing with you guys shortly. Uh, but much more to come as we go along. And when Ben comes back, the news will flow like fine wine. All right, so uh, we're going to kick it off to L.A. for Strami and the Wolfman, their uh, extravaganza, and then we'll be back for This Week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club questions and comments. Hello, This Week in Marvelite. This is Marvel.com editor Mark Strom, joined by... Marvel.com assistant editor Patrick Cavanaugh. For another thrilling installment of the Strami and the Wolfman show, starring the uh, Wolfman uh, and Strami. Dude. Hey, you know who what? You star- can make, who you is can it make that fun. stars? You can make fun of me all you want. In you the... spent like five minutes before we recorded this uh, trying to figure out how to untangle like a single knot on a cord. This is the, the Strami and the Wolfman show yep. starring... Uh, who is it that stars in the Strami and the Wolfman show? Ant-Man. Who is... Ant-Man stars in the Strami and the Wolfman show. That's right. Show Ant-Man, Ant-Man is also in theaters still. Ant-Man and, and Kurt no, Russell not, star. No, just, no? no, Ant-Man in theaters now. Go see it again if you have not seen it yet. Uh, we're actually in the Ant-Man conference room, which is very fitting. I'm staring at a uh, poster of Tales to Astonish number 35 featuring 
uh, the return of the Ant-Man. See, I thought this was called the Ant-Man conference room because someone just spilled a whole bunch of donuts all over the conference room, and there's been ants. Where, where are the donuts? Ants gathered. Eh. Please. I mean, that was my attempt at making an Archer joke where she drops donuts, and he says, that's how you get ants. It's great. Okay. Wow, really reaching there. Uh, uh, Patrick, we got that Fandango sweepstakes still going on, don't we? Uh, yeah, tomorrow, which depending on when you're listening, I'll just say July 31st is the last day, which we're recording on Thursday, so it would be tomorrow, but uh, you, who knows when you're listening to this. It might already be over if you're listening to it this weekend. See, I was hoping you'd actually explain what the contest is, not just say it's over. But I'll do that for you. Good, because if you, you buy, wrote the dang story. If you buy tickets, uh, I did. Yeah, <laughs> you did. I don't, you know what? Uh, it's been a rough year, guys. My memory's not so great. Uh, if you buy tickets on Fandango, uh, you can enter uh to win a Star-Lord's helmet from the film itself, from Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, so, yeah, go over to Fandango where you can learn more about that. And, and you can, uh, fun fact, you can actually clone Chris Pratt thanks to the perspiration and respiration in the DNA in that mask. So the perspiration your- and the respiration in the DNA. Um all right, I'm just going to let – yeah. That no, checks I'm, out. No, yeah, okay. I think the science of that Sure, I'm out. just going to let that just lay there for a little bit. Moving on to the world of television. We had a lot of television news this week because, of course, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is back in production. We're shooting season three as we speak. Uh, we gave you a look at Chloe Bennett's uh, new Daisy Johnson-inspired uh, hairstyle. It is considerably shorter than – uh, uh, the do that Sky has been sporting now that she's fully embraced the persona, the identity of Daisy Johnson. I she, think. Oh no! Continue. Yeah, no, yeah, she's cut off a bunch of her locks. Not quite as short as in the comics, but still very, uh, very big difference. So you can check that out. What were you going to say? Can we just talk about haircuts for a second? I need one. Is <laughs> no, that no, no, no. Just going. No, absolutely not. No, I was just going to say. Why do people, when they see that you've gotten a haircut, say, oh, you got a haircut? I don't And that's it. That. And that's it. Well, not you. I just, I mean, people in general will say, like. This is the worst stand-up hey, bit I've ever th- heard. This isn't hey, a stand-up how bit. Come, how this come, isn't a stand-up how come bit. When, how come when, you know, like, you ever notice how, like, you get a haircut and people are like, hey, you got a haircut. This is a gr- and, just and a grievance. You, like, just pause. You this just is just pause, a... waiting for, like, the chuckle. It's just like. No, I'm not waiting for any chuckles. Oh, this is a... yeah, that's true. They say that. You got a haircut. This is a grievance that I'm trying to air about how stupid it is that someone just says, hey, you got a haircut without, ma- like. Hey, you are wearing a blue shirt today. Hey, that's just got, as exciting. All right, if that's if if you have enough spare time to have a grievance over that, then I've got a couple of stories that I'm gonna put on your plates as soon as we get all this, and you can take care of them. All right, Buster. I know you're too busy looking at comic book blogs and sending me I don't know Lady Gaga videos or Lady whatever. Gaga. Lady all Gaga. All right. Speaking of ladies, we also announced that Constant Zimmer is joining Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in Season 3. She'll be a recurring character. So she'll be Constant? No, not, not what? Oh, boy. See, that was um, more of a joke. Um, 
All right, we haven't uh, revealed. Uh, well, we d did say that she would be playing the uh, head of a mysterious new government agency. So you can go to marvel.com to is hear more about that. Is she going to be an X-File? No. We also announced that Andrew Howard will be joining the series as a character named Banks. Read more about that on marvel.com. And, of course, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. returns Tuesday, September 29th at 9, 8 central on ABC. Um, what you got going on over in the world television, Patrick? Well, we just posted uh, – well, well, not we posted. We posted a story to inform you guys that if you head over to iTunes and you buy the season pass for the animated Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy series, you can watch a, a series of shorts that are going to be giving you background information on each of the Guardians. So this week – uh, there were shorts related to Star Lord's origins. One, one short. One short on iTunes. Yeah, they just put part one. Early. I just, I just think about shorts, like people wearing shorts. And then, and then part two will will go up uh, on like Saturday or Sunday. So if you go to iTunes and yeah, just go on Marvel.com and you'll be able to get the pertinent link to be able to get that season pass and learn a little bit more about Star-Lord's origins. And and we're number one. Uh, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy is number one on iTunes in uh, uh, in seasons in terms of people purchasing the season. Exactly. So, so pe it's pretty popular. Definitely check it out. And the shorts themselves are great. I've had the chance to watch. Uh, there will be ten of them in total. I've seen all ten. They're phenomenal. I highly recommend. So it's check that out. If uh, you are willing to wait until Saturday night, you can watch two shorts this Saturday night on Disney XD, I believe at 8.58 p.m. and at 10.28 p.m., both Eastern Time on Disney XD. You can try and catch those shorts. Uh, we've got a new episode of Marvel's Avengers Assemble this Sunday entitled Avengers Underground. Uh, unfortunately, the Avengers, I don't want to say lost to the Squadron Supreme, but the Squadron Supreme definitely reigned victorious in last week's episode, so the Avengers have kind of gone underground. You should go, you should go into politics with all that equivocating you just with did there. all that there. jargon. Yeah. I want to say they lost. Let's just say they didn't win. Right. Lost seems more of like an, an absolute, like they definitively are done. But they just went underground and are going to assemble in hopes of freeing Thor. Oh, is that why it's Thor. called Avengers Underground? I think so. I don't know any other reason why it'd be called that. So thanks for your contribution. So tune into that new episode Sunday at 8.30 a.m. on Disney XD. Tuesday at 9 p.m. on Disney XD, we'll have a brand new episode of Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man Web Warriors. This episode involves, uh, you'll see Triton, one of the Inhumans. He makes an appearance, and the reason he is so uh, important to the episode is because the Inhumans and S.H.I.E.L.D. collide. Let's just say there's some misunderstandings going on, and uh, it seems like Spider-Man and Triton got to kind of talk, talk down the Inhumans and talk down S.H.I.E.L.D. from uh, making any rash decisions so tune into that episode tuesday 9 p.m eastern time on disney xd it's pronounced tritone and in the world of marvel games because we've been posting a couple of marvel games stories this week uh i posted a story on marvel heroes 2015 they are currently giving away 
five vibranium tickets, each worth $5,000. So basically, if you're playing the game, you have a chance to randomly stumble across a vibranium ticket and earn $5,000. Uh, four of them have been found so far that I know of. I don't know. I don't believe the fifth one's been found yet, so you still got a chance. Like, um, is that like real money? Yeah, like real money. Like they give you There's a game where you can p- get real money. Yes. That's crazy. Yes. Why don't, uh, why don't I play video games? Uh, and uh, we interviewed the winner of the first Vibranium ticket, so you can read all about that on Marvel.com. What have you been posting over in the games world? Well, there is a new feature uh, in, man, what are, what's the name? Marvel, Marvel Future, Future Fight. Fight. Marvel Future Fight has a few new features. I didn't even post that. I love, I love how earlier you're like, oh, I did post that story. You tell us what's about. And here we are with the story that you posted, and you're still fumbling over it, and I'm the one that has oh, – go ahead. The Shield it's, Lab. You're talking about the Shield Lab. I don't play video games, so it's just like nonsense to me. It's like I'm just reading some foreign language. So when I'm reading about – Oh, well, they've introduced Shield Lab to gain new new methods to build your XP. I don't know what that means. That just sounds like gobbledygook. Well, However, XP for those of you who experience point For those of you who do know what any of that means, you can gain more XP thanks to new uh, new features in the Shield Lab along with the Alliance feature. That's another new feature where you can team up with other players and gain more XP. Also in Marvel Mighty Heroes, they uh, just released the final chapter of the Age of Ultron entitled Extinction Protocols. So you can learn more about that on Marvel.com. All right. Well, that mercifully ends it all for you guys. You're welcome. You're welcome. We're going to be done talking now. Thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks uh, once again to uh, our office manager, J.P. Rave, for creepily just, just saying in there, yell, yell hi, J.P., Hi, JP. All right. Well, it's because he didn't have any corrections. He didn't have any research that he had to do this time. That's true. JP is our official uh, uh, podcast fact checker. So, uh, yeah, thanks again for listening. Uh, Wish you a splendiferous weekend, a splendiferous -er week. Uh, We'll talk with you in seven more days. And as always, remember, drink your milk. What? Okie dokie. Lots of cool stuff, guys. All right. So our This Week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club selection was Ghost Rider by Jason Aaron. And first up, I'm going to say, well done, Twim URCers. Uh, Lots of good stuff this week. Yes. Um, You guys dug in. I was hoping you would because I friggin' love this run. It is – so you guys know I have to read – 20 comics a week for the show, which is great. I'm not complaining, but that's a lot of comics to read. Sometimes you need to switch your brain to do other things for work. So uh, normally I'll read, you know, the books, and that's that's probably about what I read in terms of comics in a week. This week I read all the books that we needed to read for the show, plus what we needed to read for Twim URC, plus the like eight or so issues in between. The selections here, the first four and then the last three, because I just I wanted to get back into that story so much. And then I realized right at the end, there's another five or six issues after this that fully wraps up Jason's run. It's a limited series called Ghost Riders. Ghost Riders, um, which, you know, we can maybe pick up at another time, but it is also fantastic. Um, 
So what we what we saw here was Jason Aaron picking up um, on a whole bunch of stuff that Daniel Way had started with, uh, putting you know Johnny Blaze back in the main role of Ghost Rider. He may or may not have been uh, before Dan took it took it over, but uh, it's it's just a different place for Ghost Rider. Big revelation that we dive right into is that Ghost Rider has found out that he is not. Uh, a servant of the devil. He's a servant of heaven and like a rogue part of heaven with the angels uh, Zadkiel, who uh, part of the reason why I want to do this because Ghost Racers is a really fun book for Secret Wars and there's some stuff in there that we could uh, see its beginnings throughout this series because it's a, some of it's a little obscure. But we see in this that Zadkiel uh, is basically this super duper crazy angel uh, super powerful who has been tasked with doing God's dirty work essentially like doing things that needed to get done cleansing you know whatever awful things that are out there fighting evil and blah 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 but over the millennia he's sort of become kind of a jerk and he has changed his tune and he wants control he wants heaven so that is the basic thing we know that Ghost Rider is actually um uh, working for the for heaven for these these angels and Zadkiel wants his power in one place. He wants consolidation of everything. So uh, he is off in a, on a task to get the Ghost Rider power all into himself. We've also found out there are more Ghost Riders than we ever thought before. Previously, we thought okay, there was a Ghost Rider way back when, and then there was a Ghost Rider uh, with Johnny Blaze. And then that was it. We had Dan Ketch. But really it was just like the Ghost Rider power goes from one to another. Here we get that blown out of the water. And it's a really great moment where it's explained to Johnny Blaze like, uh, yeah, you're, you've been Ghost Rider in America. And, you know, Ghost Rider with this theology. Do you think that there's only, you know, one place in the world there's only one sort of religion in the world that this makes sense for no there are ghost riders all over the world all throughout time essentially uh in in various iterations so we get to see a number of really really cool ghost riders some only for a hot second in that the the second series of books we get the undead g-man who has been in charles soul's uh, Inhuman Adeline Rising book, uh, we get Knuckles O'Shaughnessy, I think his name is Knuckles O'Shaughnessy, uh, who we get to see in Ghost Racers. Uh, we've gotten to see uh, a whole bunch of other characters. There's uh, a Ghost Rider uh, riding an elephant. There's the um, the Ghost Rider sort of like, uh, there's a voodoo dude. There's the Ghost Rider uh, who is the Chinese Ghost Rider, I believe. There's, I mean, there are probably as we see throughout these issues dozens of ghost riders which is fantastic i love the way they sort of jason and everybody took the mythology said okay this is all that we understand and here's how this can fit in bring it all together and just blow it up in all the best ways uh the first bunch of issues we get art by um i think it's roland boshi and then tang and huat who are just fantastic really crazy stuff um we get tony moore art right at the end which is another one of the reasons why i chose those last three issues because tony moore is so good 
good. It's so vile. Did you get to read this, Alec? You didn't get to read it. It's fine. Uh, there's a character who's introduced right at the end of this run who's this, like, demonic character, and she is terrifying but hilarious at the same time you could tell jason and tony and everybody were having a blast on this book uh, i wish more people were reading ghost the this ghostwriter series when it was going on because it was fantastic i remember just absolutely loving it this is what like 2008 or 9 i would think uh when this originally came out publication details yeah published february 13th 2008 was jason's first issue here um we get you know, seeing Caretaker, who was a character in, uh, you know, the Midnight Suns mythology. We get to see uh, some villains that Ghost Riders have faced. The Orb, who, big villain for um, Original Sin, played a role in here. Uh, definitely gets stabbed in the in the eye face, uh, and it's violent. That's another thing about this. This series is incredibly violent. Like, this is... I, among the most violent comics we've put out in a, in a long time. Uh, so kids, you know, get your parents' permission before reading this, I would think. Um, but it's cool. It's, it's heavy material, too. It's talking about religion and belief and, uh, you know, the stakes of all that stuff. And, and Johnny goes through a lot throughout this series. I mean, Johnny Blaze, great character. Uh, there's a bunch rereading this that I didn't remember also that I don't know that I knew about his family uh, both his family that he built when he was an adult but also his connections to uh, other members of this this ghostwriter universe uh, super cool we get blackout who's like this like vampire character who can turn the lights off who's basically like take all the light out of places. Who's just who was awesome in the '90s Ghost Rider series? He and and Dan Ketch would just go at it, and it was fantastic. Uh, lots of really cool stuff here. Great villains. There's a villain introduced called the Deacon, who uh, is just like if you could picture a man who's like nine feet tall and like four feet wide and built solid muscle, covered in religious tattoos who believes that everything he does is for the Lord and the Lord has told him to destroy all sin and all sinners. And he has these two, like, knives and he's just... He is terrifying. It's really, really cool villain. Um, all kinds of stuff as they go crisscrossing around the world. Uh, we get introduced to a new caretaker. I mean, you guys who have read this know all this. If you have not read it, I am saying all this just out of memory. Like, I am really genuinely jazzed at rereading this story. It is one of my favorites. Uh, and one of those things that, you know, was the one of the early things that got me to recognize how incredible Jason Aaron was. Uh, because this is 2008. This is, you know, seven years ago. Seven years ago. Right? Yeah. That's wow. the It's oh pretty wild. Gosh. Yeah. A long time ago. Uh, and Jason has been unstoppable ever since so really really good um i did suggest if you didn't read uh you know if you wanted to there's all the issues in the middle that flesh out the story a ton more um read those and again ghost race ghost riders um i if i can pull it up we have terrible wi-fi in our recording studio but um the uh, ghost riders book is the final part of this uh 
of this story. It's Ghost Rider's Heavens on Fire, which is the wrap-up with Zadkiel, and uh, I believe Orb comes back, the Deacon's in there, all the Ghost Riders, like the... It's basically laying it out, all on the table, everything on the line, just crazy, wild battle. Because at the end of this run, uh, before we get to Ghost Riders, everything has gone wrong, which is, you know, super fun. Um, all right, so let's get into your questions and comments. First up, we've got Cade Bengert says, Is Jason, uh, Twim URC, is Jason Aaron a Ghost Rider? Pour the coffee and throw a record on. My evening is officially booked. Thank you, Cade. That is exactly the reaction I had hoped for. Cade says, Jason Aaron is hands down my favorite writer, and Ghost Rider is grossly underappreciated. Pumped for this even as a concept. Right off the bat, these covers are gorgeous. Definitely need to track these down to hang in the apartment. I believe the covers, a lot of those, especially the, the first covers, are by um, Marco Jacebic, uh, if I recall correctly. Um, I will pull up the series as well so that we can uh, spin through those as we go along. Uh, yeah, it looks like there might have been um, some Arthur Sidem in it, some Mark Teixeira, uh, but a lot of the ones that I think you're jazzed about are uh, from, uh, from Marco. And yes, he was doing some crazy awesome work at that point. Uh, Cade says, doesn't Matt say something very very similar at the end of his confessional scene in Daredevil? I now expect a Ghost Rider cameo. So yeah, there's a, Cade is referring to a moment in the Ghost Rider where he says, uh, where, where Johnny is talking to uh, like a priest and he's saying, you know, uh, I, I'm looking for forgiveness for not what I'm about, for not what I've done and not what I'm about to do. Uh, but I don't remember the exact line. It, it's different from what we see in Daredevil, mm -hmm. but it's close. I had the same thought having watched Daredevil now. Cade uh, says, suddenly my hatred of hospitals seems far more grounded and rational. So there's, uh, there's this hospital run by this uh, really intense nurse, and she is working for the evil uh, angel dude. Uh, Zad Keel and as is so many people in this universe like they they have all this they all have this tattoo Alec that is just it's it's, it's awesome how they all connect together um, but the the nurses are just it's like it's like an exploitation uh, grindhouse movie I should say uh, so yeah there's definitely a grindhouse feel in here where you've got these crazy wild violent nurses you know, yelling and running and, and chasing after Johnny Blaze. Uh, Kate says, advertisement for the Incredible Hulk movie on the cover of issue number 23. Yeah, it's a long time ago. We've been through, that is 11 movies ago. 12, kind of. Uh, he says, wow, cannibalism, check. Suicide, check. Next up, punching a puppy, maybe. Dark stuff in this. Yeah. Like I was saying, this is really violent and very dark, and there's a lot of heavy stuff in it. Um, but it's really, really good. Uh, Cade then says, oh, spoke too soon, sorry. Decapitation was next, my bad. Uh, yeah, there's definitely heads being exploded and cut off and all kinds of wild stuff in this. Uh, Cade says, the art in the section, in the, uh, the second arc, I believe he meant, is great but really gruesome, keeps you interested in the smaller details. That's the Tony Moore stuff. Tony's super, super detailed, great, great artist. Um, and, yeah, some of the stuff that he's doing in there, it's like 
It's bananas insane. I love it. Kate says, wow, great mix of things. Definitely going to have to go read more. Thank you, guys. You are welcome, Kate. That is that is exactly what I was hoping for because I think this is definitely what we were saying. One of those just undiscovered runs from a time when we were doing really cool stuff that just sort of got lost in the shuffle. All right. DJ Fanko says... Thanks for powering through this week in Marvel, all by our lonesome. It is a huge feat without going through the Twim URC bonus round. Thank you. That's in reference to last week. It was it was a lot. It was a lot. Don says, wow, Ghost Rider was darker than I remember. Uh, he says, a few things stuck out from the first arc. The idea of a fallen angel in league with the devil is very Diablo 2-esque. Agreed. Uh, he says, at first I thought the hospital scene was going to be a costume party because those were some revealing nurse outfits. It, it, but it, it, it goes back to that grindhouse feel that uh, I think they were going for, which they got, which was, you know, left very much left of center. He says, surely new Beulah could afford some more practical scrub. Still, the idea of a hit squad of nurses was a cool idea. Uh, Don says, based on what we saw in the Netflix Daredevil series, those nurses would know all the pain points to use. You guys love your Daredevil. Love your uh, Ghost Rider. I like it. I like it. He says... Uh, someone needs to help that guy eat right. Agent M, introduce him to smoothies. Kale is better for him than jerky. So this is in reference to the cannibal character in here who is just so sadistic and so twisted. It's fantastic. And there's a great – I can't remember if it's in the assigned books, but there's a character who loses his hand to the cannibal. The cannibal eats is eating the guy's hand. And – the that storyline, those characters come back later in the in the in the run. So um, it has a very satisfying ending to it all. Uh, but yes, uh, had my smoothie this morning. Alec, how you doing with the food? You know, I was I was doing really well. I made like a plan. I was having like um, egg whites for breakfast uh-huh. yogurt with granola for lunch and then like chicken and salad for dinner mm-hmm. and I did it for like a week and a half um, and then I had a friend up from school and we went to Coney Island and we went out to dinner and I kind of fell off the wagon a little bit like I had to get a hot dog yeah and uh, so I'm trying to get back on That's the, all right the you train. can do both as long as you're not if I if you are eating candy and chocolate milk, and chips for dinner, then you're having a problem. I, if you're having a hot dog here and there or doing like, you know, eating some garbage here and there, it's fine, but eat sensible meals. I definitely think I've gotten a little bit better. Very good. It's baby steps. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Uh, all right. Back to Don's comments. He says, uh, Roland Boshi. Oh, yeah. Roland Boshi's action panels explode from the pages thanks to dynamic angles and steep perspective. Yeah. Roland Boshi and uh, Teng and Huat on those. Uh, early issues of this run, just fantastic. Uh, especially Roland Boshi, man. That guy is so good with expressions and, like you're saying here, Don, with uh, those angles, perspective, and atmosphere. Don continues. He says, The bit with the snake and the camper was a nice touch. I got a good laugh from that. Thank you, Jason Aaron. Uh, he says, The opening splash for Ghost Rider 22 was bonkers crazy. And that is... Yeah, that is uh, Ghost Rider and uh, just nightmare stuff. It is terrific. I agree. It is bonkers crazy. 
He says, the flesh-eating Highway 18 ghosts that get sucked into Ghost Rider's bike, are they going into the bone zone? What is going on? That is a terrific pun. You say hashtag scary pun. I say hashtag bone pun. Uh, he says, Don continues, he says, I only ask because Ghost Rider is bone and fire and damnation. Legit qu- Don, you did not need to explain that. You nailed it, but then when you explain the joke, explain the pun... I almost left that out. I didn't want to ruin the moment. That's fair. It's fair. Uh, Donna, I won't. I won't. Um, I won't uh, put you down for for trying to explain it. I think it was it was really good, regardless. Good pun. Yes. Don says, "Pretty sure the introduction to New Beulah, Montana, was written by John Mellencamp." Um, yeah, there's some uh, pulling out some panels from here about a small town and all that stuff. Yeah, I love these. Uh, you know. New Beulah, Montana, Bucksnort, Idaho, and, like, all those towns. There's a lot of, like, you know, Midwest, Southern weirdness that Jason throws into all of this. Uh, Don says, once the devil's off your back, replace bad habits with good ones. Prayer, church, eating right. And then uh, he, he pulls out some uh, shots of, you know, eating jerky and all this other stuff as he's on the road. Uh, it's just fun, fun good times. Don continues, says, Ghost Rider 33 was a fan- fascinating meditation on Sarah's role. I enjoyed the bit about other Ghost Riders during various epochs. Agreed. Uh, Sarah, who we got introduced to as the new caretaker, see a little bit more about her, but really, like, just, I love the little bits and pieces we get about those other Ghost Riders. Uh, Don says, first, nurses with machine guns, then nuns with nunchucks. Jason Aaron has a gift for the outlandish. Totally. Uh, he says, in later one shots, it was great to see the band getting back together. Sarah was cool, and Danny's issue was crazy. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Uh, he says, if my motorcycle ran on that special blend, I'd be doing a lot of walking and public transport. Yeah, talking about the um, the brimstone and bile, and the tears of the damned, and blood and gristle, and torment and rage, unquenchable, in infernal rage that's what uh johnny blaze's bike road you know runs on so it's uh it's a sustainable sustainable energy yeah i mean the earth would be really like oh cool you're just using tears and rage got it (laughs) no worries don't don't use gas use tears and sustainable rage it's perfect uh don says jason aaron's pacing is superb the action in ghost rider 22 is literally off the wall great panels here uh, riding up the side of the mountain, uh, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, the the Highway 18 ghost cannibal, I wouldn't, I can't call them cannibals because they're not eating ghosts, but just so good. Uh, Kyle Kelly says, this is my first Twim URC tweet. Never read any Ghost Rider before. I like the first five books, the last two, not so much. That's fair, Kyle. Everybody's got their own preferences. Um, and so Kyle then says, where does one find the Zadkiel conclusion? Excellent question. Again, read Ghost Riders, plural, uh, Heavens on Fire, I believe it's called. Heavens on Fire. It, uh, it is the five or six issue wrap-up limited series that puts it all out there. Uh, but if you didn't read the issues between the first uh, four or five and the last three, Read those, too, because there's lots of fun stuff in there. Penelope Cat says, New Twim URC is Ghost Rider by Jason Aaron, a character I never had any interest in until the most recent series. 
Issue number 20 points out Dr. Druid is still dead. Does everyone in the Marvel Universe assume death is just temporary? Uh, I mean, yeah. They see people die and then they come back. Johnny Blaze has died and come back. I think Dan Ketch has died and come back. A lot of characters have died and come back. I want Dr. Druid alive again. Is he He's still out? I believe he's still dead. His son uh, showed up in Secret Warriors and got killed. In Rough. Secret Avengers, if I recall correctly, maybe. Uh, but then came back as a ghost. Kind of. I don't know. It's comics, man. It happens. It's all good. This, this happens. Uh, Penelope Cat says, hello, nurse. What is this? Uh, the Russ Meyer Memorial Hospital talking about a boobalicious nurse. Uh, yes, yes, indeed. Uh, Penelope Cat says, first issue was fun. Love Jason Aaron's rural gothic voice as seen in Men of Wrath and Southern Bastards. Yes. Uh, creator-owned books by Mr. Aaron, but uh, Men of Wrath with Ron Garney, Southern Bastards with Jason Latour, both highly recommended. Uh, I know Southern Bastards isn't one of ours, but it's one of Jason's, and boy, oh boy, is it good. All right. Uh, this is Penelope Cat saying, I definitely feel like I've missed some story, but the re- recap pages give me the essentials. Loved the over-the-top entrance into the hospital and over-the-top revelation of nurses as angelic warriors. One issue in, and this series feels like a well-done cheesy horror movie, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think the phrase we're looking for is grindhouse again. It's, it's like over-the-top, it's crazy, it's wild, it's grimy, it's at times scary, weird. You know, it's like all that stuff and done so perfectly well. Penelope Cat says, Issue 21, for some reason the recap pages feel more convoluted and complex this issue. Maybe I'm just cranky and hungry. Uh, please? Okay, and then he says, Okay, ate a sandwich. Things make a little more sense now. I know how that feels. 100%. He says, Pages 18 and 19 are duplicates on Unlimited. Is anyone, anything missing in their place? That's a great question. Uh, I don't know, but I'll let the team know. Apologies on that one. He says, Issue 22, Cannibal Ghosts and Killer Nurses on Motorcycles. Why hasn't Tarantino turned this into a movie? I would love to see Tarantino take this on. That would be awesome. Oh, my gosh. Although, I will say, the second Ghost Rider movie, I love it so much. It is done by the guys who did the Crank movies. It's bananas. If you have not watched it, it's one, it's got Nick Cage, whom I love. And when Nick Cage is let loose... It is just insane and silly. If you've seen uh, Drive Angry, I think is the other Nick Cage movie, mm-hmm. where he plays like a demonic uh, driver dude. Uh, terrific. I I say this 100% true. Go watch the second Ghost Rider movie. I didn't really – I don't remember the first one. The second one I've watched many times. I think the only thing I remember from the second one, and this is such a weird thing to remember, is that he lived in like a really nice apartment that he had to take an elevator up to, like his own private elevator. Maybe? The, I don't know why I remember this. Yeah. And um, who is it? Eva Mendez or Eva? Yeah. Who is his? I believe it's Eva Mendez. That's all I remember. All right. Hey, you've got your priorities. Nice places, pretty pretty women. That's all right. Um, where are we? He said, Penelope Cat says, I missed what the deputy's sins were. Need to read more closely. Uh, he didn't really go into him. He just said he's he's done some bad things. So you didn't... I don't think you really missed anything. Um, uh, Penelope Cat says, Now we skip ahead 10 issues. Hopefully I'll still get what's going on. May need to fill in that gap someday. He says, Issue 33. Okay, yes. I will need to read the rest of the issues. Meantime, I trust the Twimurasi gurus. 
little bit confused. Are there spirits of vengeance for specific countries? Not sure that even makes sense. Uh, it's not so much countries, uh, more so religions and regions, kind of. Um, so there's, it, it's not like a concrete, you know, thing. Um, when you read, when you go back and reread those issues, you'll see a little bit more of all that. He says, seeing what happened to Danny really makes me want to read those skipped issues. Love the bumper stickers on the alien abductee express bus. There's some really fun stuff on that. Uh, if you, I think that's the some of the Tony Moore stuff. There's some really wacky bits in there. Um, uh, he says US one revived here. Uh, spoiler revo- revived in Weird World. Jason Aaron is an '80s nostalgia god, or at least a high priest. Uh, Jason and Tony and everybody just had a lot of fun. You can tell they were having fun. Uh, see, Penelope Cat says, definitely ended up enjoying this more than I had expected. Maybe I've misjudged Ghost Rider. I definitely want to give the rest of Jason Aaron's run a shot, at least the issues we skipped and the concluding miniseries. I haven't mentioned the art at all. Boshi's work was gorgeous and creepy. Moore's was over the top and hilarious and creepy. All in all, I've got a newfound appreciation for the character. Thanks to Twim URC for pointing me in this direction. Ba-boom, ba-boom, boom, boom. I like how his, like, tweets kind of progressed from, like, begrudgingly reading this series to by the end like wow going to appreciate it yeah this was actually good that's awesome i love it yeah it's really really fun um ross meyer says i love the issues so much i decided to read all of aaron's run then daniel ways then ron williams i can't get enough ghostwriter with all that read jason aaron's is my favorite with people banning harry potter back in their day i'm surprised this went under their radar people banned harry potter people have banned Pretty I mean, much anything, everything. Yeah, anything is good. But thing. I think it, I know there were a lot of people for the religious aspect that it went against. The concept of magic went against religion. Everything goes against everything. Like, this one thing you believe could be completely different from my belief. We just got to learn to get along. It's true. Yeah. Uh, Ross, really, really glad you dug it. Yes, the Daniel Way has uh, 19 issues before Jason. Rob Williams does the uh, the series after Jason's run. Uh, all very good stuff. My favorite is, I agree with you, Jason's. RP67 says, Totally forgot Ghost Rider was part of the Champions. Why was the series so short-lived? I vote the that for next Twim URC. Ooh. Uh, Champions was... An L.A. super team comprised of Ghost Rider, Black Widow, Angel, Iceman, someone else maybe? Sounds like the strangest team. It's not not the most fondly remembered team. I don't remember. I don't know if I've ever read a Champions comic. It was was short-lived, and it was in the 70s, I believe. I believe. Um... Yeah, we're, uh, I apologize, RP, but we are not going to do champions at this time. Uh, he says, I think the, his response should have been, humana, humana, then eyes bulge out, uh, talking about a panel with uh, one of those nurses. Um, Roland Boshi draws, uh, draws a lady. Um, RP67 says, I'd die happy if he got beaten by, those nun- by the, uh, the nurses. I don't know, man. They were really scary. Yeah, I I mean, just looking at this this panel here. Also, I don't think I'd really want to die, you know, being <laughs> murdered. Like that's that's a very valid point. Very valid point. Um, and uh, he says, I must say, I am very impressed. These first four issues of Ghost Rider, the story, the art, just amazing. Thank you. Well, thank you. 
I am really glad that so many of you had such a great time uh, with these issues. Super fun. Uh, I'm, it's one of those things that I know it's great, and I'm always right, but sometimes people disagree with me. And so, you know, it gets a little tough. Um, is there something, Alec, that you'd want us to pick? Because normally this would be Ben's pick. He's not here. I can go through and pick something randomly from the archive that's, you know, I'm spinning through. Hmm. Well, have you got? Have you guys done any any Spider-Man stuff? We've recently? done some Spider-Man. It's been a while, I think. Um, do you have any recommendations on Spider-Man? Hmm. 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 There is. Um, my brain goes to the uh, adjectiveless Spider-Man series from the early '90s. Um, there is. Um, one issue which I don't know that we have it in here. Oh, it's killing me. It has Thanos in it and mm. it is one of my all-time favorite comics. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish it was in here. I just looked for it because that would have been a great pick. Uh, but it is not in here right now. Uh, we could do Torment, but um, that one's its gorgeous, but it's not my favorite Spider-Man story. Mm-hmm. What else? Give me another suggestion. Another suggestion um Let's see. I, I'd like to get into a character that, I mean, I'm not even going to be here for that podcast, but I'd like to get into a character that I haven't really experienced before. So maybe some, have you done any Deadpool? Would that be a cool twim? We've seen? done some Deadpool, I think. What are you thinking? What? Hmm. Um, you know what we're going to do? The Drax the Destroyer limited series from 2005 because it was uh, right before um, the all the crazy cosmic stuff started to, to happen. So this is really reestablishing Drax and then re-est- right before reestablishing the cosmic stuff, the Guardians, Annihilation, all that stuff, Nova. Um, this comes like right before that and it's really fun, really great. Um, and I remember loving it. It's got cool art. It's uh, written by Peter Giff- um, by Keith Giffen. It's got art by uh, John A. Ryber, Mitch Brettweiser, I think. Anyway, it's really cool. Four issues, super easy. Um, and we'll pick that one. And you should read that as well. That's a good, especially since I didn't even know his name. Yes. Prior. I don't I know that we get good... into that. No? I don't remember. It's been a while since I've read this. But um, we get a lot of fun cameos and, and, and stuff in here. It's... But this is it's a cool way that to, to experience who Drax is. And we're gonna have another Drax series in a couple months, so timing is a little early, but it'll work. Cool. So we'll do Drax. I don't know how to update the website to, to reflect that. We'll figure it out. Their limited series from two thousand five. Because it was uh, right before um, the all the crazy cosmic stuff started to to happen. So this is Really reestablishing Drax, and then re-est- right before reestablishing the cosmic stuff, the Guardians, Annihilation, all that stuff, Nova. Um, this 